Namaste. This is Preeti Upala, and I'm honored to be on this amazing podcast, Mostly Ghostly. And thank you for the amazing host for having me. Please check me out. I'm all over social media. I am the Preeti Effect on Twitter and the Preeti Experience on YouTube. <laughs> Folks, welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly with myself, Matt. And we have my co-host with the most, Ray. How you doing over there, Ray Booten? Not bad. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Dealing with the snow. Got a insane amount of snow out of nowhere yesterday. You, I'm dealing. I'm, um, you dealt with that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I, I always figured that I wanted to be a weatherman's job. You get paid big money to be wrong half the time. I know. You can't beat that. Oh, a dusting. Yeah, I got four inches out there. That's some dusting. Yeah, it, it was one of those weird things where it just came out of nowhere. It was suppo- Then it was supposed to be a flurry. Then it was sticking. And now we still have it out there today staring at us, you know, mocking us from the street. Oh, you're laughing in our face. Yeah. So, you know, but that ain't going to slow down nothing because we've got another great episode of Mostly Ghostly for everybody. Uh, we're cruising. I think we're up to episode Trace now. I think this is Trace and uh, popping into a nice little theme. We got a little theme for all you folks out there who, who stuck snowed in your house uh, looking for looking for things to discuss and talk about and hear and listen to while you do your, your chores and such. Um, while you investigate, while you exercise and get rid of ghosts and demons and bad spiritual entities from your life, you got us on in your Walkman and you in an earpiece or an earbud, Bluetooth device. You know what I mean? Um, you're rocking out with some mostly ghostly ghost busting. That's what I like to think. I like to think that as we do our episodes, somewhere out there, somebody's rocking some mostly ghostly in the earbuds while they're zapping ghosts, you know what I mean? Taking them down to Chinatown, baby. That sounds good to me. That'd be cool. I support that. If anybody does that, I would love to see recordings, and we'll, make, we'll have you on the show. So today's episode is one of the, an interesting one that I never hear people talking too much about this, Ray. How about you? When I brought this up, what did you think? Was this, this was out of the blue type deal? Uh, out of the blue. People don't talk about it. They just kind of mention it in passing when they yeah. notice it. But no, no one actually sits down and says, why? What's going on? No one talks. I think this is going to be a cool episode, like our Evil Eye episode. I kind of put it in that category where, like you said, it's something people talk about. It's not really discussed, but it's talked about type deal. And, ladies and gentlemen, that topic is 
death comes in threes. Now, as long as far back as I can remember, that's always been a thing. I remember hearing that as a young, young child, the old death comes in three thing. It was kind of like, uh, you know, something grand- Grandma Ma would pass down to you. You know what I mean? When, when someone, when too many people die. Um, do you remember the first time you heard about this deal? A uh, little bit. Uh, in my family, it wasn't until later. And yeah. uh, a little bit of it was that, you know, one would one person would die and then you'd hear another family and someone would al- always make a comment, you know, who's going to be the third? Death comes in threes. And I mean, that, that's kind of morbid. It's kind of like, okay, are you going to take bets or what? I mean, it was it was kind of a morbid thing, but it was more in that context. Uh, one person died, another one did, and someone had always mentioned, okay, who's the third one? Yeah, it's true. And, and it's one of those things that, like, eerily, it, it, like, it proves itself to be, like, a common thing that actually does happen. You know what I mean? At least you get to feel like it happens. It's one of those things. Like we've said before, the magic of farting, Ray. Remember remember the days of when you would fart and then, well, you still do fart. I hope if not, you would have a problem. But when you would fart and you'd say, excuse me, and it felt like that excuse me would actually make that, the fart smell go away. Now, I could just be insane, but I, I feel like everybody probably has had that deal. But it's the same thing with this death comes in three thing. You, I think everybody's kind of witnessed this firsthand where, you know, they, they go, oh, some, somebody just passed last week and they passed, you know, a couple of days ago. And now this person passed. That's weird. That's like that death comes in three type situation, you know. I don't know. It's, it's it's almost like when someone yawns. Don't yawn, and you'll have me yawn. It's kind of like don't die, or I might die. It's I don't want. I don't want to be one of those three. Yeah, yeah. Yawning's one of those. One of those as well, which is very weird. You know what I mean? It's, it's contagious. You know what I mean? You see it, and you got to do it almost. Weird vibe. We're getting a yawning one of these days too. Yeah, death is crazy. Speaking of the morbid things and the death, you know, I don't think we ever really kind of gave a good description. Everybody knows death, of course, but. You know, I came across a good one on uh, with this, which was they, they considered death. Death is the permanent, irreversible uh, cessation of all biological functions that sustain a living organism. The remains of previously living organisms normally begin to decompose shortly after death. Death is the inevitable, universal process that eventually occurs in all living organisms. That was a pretty good definition of it. I enjoyed. That wasn't the Webster's Dictionary either. Well, no, that, kind of, that, that, that kind of sums it up as far as the body goes, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, death, we got... Death is uh, generally applied to the whole, uh, whole organisms. Uh, the similar process seen in individual components of a living organism, such as cells or tissues, is necrosis something that is not considered a living organism, such as a virus, can be physically destroyed, but is not said to die. Interesting. It's like the thing. As, as of the early uh, 21st century, over 150,000 humans die each day. You know, I think they, they uh, also another study that's at one point, every 1.5 seconds, somebody dies. You know what I mean? 
which to go with that, with that many people dropping off, you know, it's not uncommon for somebody you know to be one of those one of those people, you know, every 1.5. You know what I mean? Well, if you're talking 150,000, what was that, every second or minute? That was each day, supposedly. Each day, okay. That's that. If it comes in threes, you divide that, it works perfectly. That's divisible by three. Where, where's all their money go? That's my question. Should we go into mostly ghostly? I mean, yeah, if if you divide it by three, you don't have any leftovers. That's that's uh, nice little bunches of three right down the line. Maybe it does come in threes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Many cultures and religions have the idea of an afterlife and also hold the idea of judgment and reward for good deeds or punishment for sin. As we know, as we know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's quite a deal. But this death is, yeah, you got so many people dropping every 1.5. Uh, you, got, you got somebody dropping off. And uh, what a line. That line, I can only imagine what that line would be. If, to, to take the concept of the waiting in line at the pearly gates. What was your take? Did you, do you believe that there's a line? That does the, the Bible say that, there, that there's supposed to be a line? Or is that just something that was created for funsies like... Cause like, really, like we're we're in a spiritual realm now. I never expect the, you ain't gonna wait in no line in the spiritual realm. You're just gonna be beamed up, Scotty. You know what I mean? What what's your take uh, on that, the whole line? Uh, the whole line thing, I think, is uh, that was added on afterwards. It's kind of like uh, you know, the good and the bad. You you wait in line to get a reward, or you know, they line up prisoners when they take them off to prison. I think the whole line thing was added on later on. When you're dealing with uh, something that creates the entire universe, the reality is there's most likely multiple uh, life forms across the the universe. Yeah. And uh, that'd be one hell of a line. I mean, it's kind of like get your ticket early. I mean, what? It's the the whole line thing is a very human concept. Uh, Put you in line, make you wait. You better be good. You don't want to fall out of that line. Yeah, yeah. How much of the how much of the Bible actually takes place in heaven? Never read it. It's a it's a bucket list thing for me to do one of these days. But uh, how much of it takes place there? You know, uh, not not too much. The background on uh, background on angels is there. Um, you got the story of Job. You have um, the heavenly court. There are parts here and there where Ezekiel rises up to heaven. There were different parts. But most of it takes place uh, on Earth, right? So there's there, yeah. It's interesting, you know. Certain things that get made up in you know like Sunday school to kind of keep the story going type situation. Um, it's a weird vibe for sure. So back to the death comes in threes here. Um, notorious thing forever, and it feels like it. But when you get so many people dropping off, so much, you know. You're only bound to come across those folks that uh, you would know that would, you know, contribute to that death coming in three situation. I know celebrities, they lean more toward the celebrity thing because, of course, you know, with the numbers of death and how how often it happens, you, you, you can't, there's no craziness to it, you know. And like we were talking a little bit before, one of the crazy things that I, 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 I kind of seen 
when I was doing some research is, you know, there were certain folks, not all of them, but there were certain folks that the time frame that they would, the time gap that they would let these, these deaths fall into, I thought were very weird. Um, even for a celebrity status of not just people, you know, but I remember them stretching it out as far as a month, as far months to as far as a year. And I remember saying, you know, thinking to myself, a year, that's kind of, you really can't even tie that together. I mean, the memoriam at the end of, if you're going to talk celebrities, the memoriam at the end of the year at the Oscars has got at least, at least 30 people up in that thing, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's not, not that crazy of a, of a number. But, uh, yeah, the celebrity deal, you know, is it because, what do you think? It's because the, what, what do you think? What do you think that is, Ray, with that whole deal with the, with the celeb? Because it's a celebrity and they love them so much that it just feels like a bigger impact when they die. So when there's a, a group of them put together, that it's a, it comes off like uh, this big world, world changing moment, which like much like everybody else, you know, the, the people that are truly affected are affected. And then the grieving starts and, after a couple of weeks, you know, for the, I think people that are just kind of regular to the situation, mutual to it, I think that after a couple of weeks, I think, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, you kind of grieve and you move on. You remember people fondly and such, of course. But I think with the celebrities, uh, part of it is they are celebrities, so we notice. Yeah. And society invests so much in the celebrity that... Um, you know that uh, some people it's they value them as much as a family member, which I disagree with. They they are a celebrity, but they have that attachment to them. And when they lose that, um, they buy into that urban myth, or they don't want to admit that loss, and they're feeling bad. And immediately they find that other celebrity, another one pops up, and it's kind of like, look, look, there's something here taking these people away from us. Oh yeah. no! And it's it's to me it's. Uh, a psychological condition where you're latching on and you're you don't like what happened and you're looking for a reason it happened well it can't it comes in threes i know another one's going to die and you're making you're trying to justify it when yeah it's the death of a human being but um if it's a celebrity halfway across the world i don't think it's really going to impact you that much yeah i mean you might you might miss your favorite celebrity in music or in movies but you have a whole history of their work so you know get on with life pay them some respects and uh love your family and friends get yeah, over that's it. What, yeah for the most that's what i mean with, the, with a couple of weeks i mean like if a celebrity dies i feel like for the most part unless you're like a crazy super fan um you're gonna kind of over a couple of weeks you're gonna be sad unfortunate that he's gone you know what i mean or she's gone but but like you're not gonna be your life's not completely devastated if it was a friend or loved one type situation um, now, you know, I also, that brings into mind like the Kurt Cobain situation, um, when Kurt Cobain killed himself in, in the early nineties. Um, I remember people, the f- fans that, you know, followed suit with that, uh, after. So you also have like that, that element to it as well. So you bring in that whole element of it, of the, the sadness element to these occurrences, you know what I mean? And you can either have a sadness element of somebody wanting to, somebody, you know, being so overcome with grief that they actually want to take that big jump too. 
or you even have the, the mental aspect of somebody, which, you know, is more like, you know, when you see couples that are, you know, you know, in, in love, you know, in love and one of them passes and then the other one passes shortly after it. And they have that, you know, they died of a broken heart claim. You always hear, you know, and it's that, it's that deal. But I think that's just, you know, the sad, almost like you lose the will a little bit to live a little bit where you just kind of get a little careless and don't really take care of yourself. Cause you, you're just like, you're so just sad and mopey that you're just like, well, I, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing if I went with them type deal. And I think once that mind state comes in, it gets in your mind that it gets in your body. And I think that that could kill you too. What do you think about that? Well, I can understand, I can understand on one level, if you get somebody, let's say, um, and you don't see it much more, much today, but you do have, you see once in a while, there are couples, they've been married for 70 years. They've been married yeah, for 50 yeah. years. Their whole life, they built around each other. And one of them passes. And they have literally half of their life with their, their heart torn out of them at that point. And they're lost. And let's say they were fighting to stay alive, uh, whether it's taking care of themselves or a disease, taking care of something. And that will goes away. And they just let themselves go. And they let themselves go to join the other person. Because this life doesn't have the value it had before. It doesn't have the love and the companionship it had before. I can understand that. I don't necessarily agree with it because there's probably family that can use your love as well. So you keep going on and transfer it there. Right. Uh, you don't abandon the children and grandchildren, et cetera. Right. But I can at least understand why they allow themselves to die. They give themselves over to, well, this is it. I'll go join my partner uh, on the other side. Yeah, it's tricky, you know, uh, even if they don't, even, even if it's subconscious, I think there's a subconscious element to it as well. You know what I mean? Where they just get into a funk, you know, everybody, everybody listening and, and speaking has been in funks before in life. And, you know, when you're in that little funk that when you're, when you're moping and you're sad and shit, the last thing you're thinking about is trying to, you know, tr- make, make sure that you have longer days of being moping and sad. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to oh, yeah. go into more of that. So, yeah, you've lost that. You've lost that will to just keep going. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird deal. You know what I mean? It's a crazy vibe. You know, you have a connection. Um, I know they also, you know, the connection's big too. I think, you know, more so with people that you know and stuff. With the connection, like celebrities that don't know each other, or maybe did a film together and. You know that was that um, not as connect not as connected as a family connection would be. Though we have heard people in the past talk about how even if you just shake a person's hand one time, you guys have a connection and you you have an imprint on each other. Um, I've heard that before, maybe on this show. But um, so yeah, the definitely that like these these celebrities. Um, I don't know what their connection to themselves are. You know what I mean. And uh, if it was, and to go back to that time thing real quick, my take on it is, you know, within a, within the time frame of at least a week, I don't think I'd go too far outside of a week because then it's not really a coincidence, you know what I mean? Because like we said, people die every day. We also have that element of like around the time when, you know, when 
everybody that's kind of around now when they're really kicking into entertainment, entertainment and, and all that shit was really booming for them was like the seventies, eighties. Um, so the, the, the celebrities that were created through that era just happens to, you know, they just happen to be getting to the ends of their lives. You know what I mean? It's an unfortunate thing, but that's just the way it is. You know, the ones that were older at that time, now they're older now. And, uh, so they're passing, and I think it just, it'll feel more like, oh, like it might feel like, oh, so and so people are dying left and right, but I think it's just because it's all these, the people that we, we grew up loving are just getting older. It's just how it is, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, those, those same people, um, if you were to take a look at their lifestyle, if um, depending upon what generation they came from, but they are older, um, maybe particularly if you're talking about uh, Hollywood or certain certain other areas of the entertainment, whether there was um, alcohol, whether there was drugs, or how well did they take care of themselves, all that plays into it. And you have a whole population with uh, at a certain age with this history. Uh, they That population starts going around the same time. Uh, and you were talking about the handshake, the energy transfer. Whenever we... Um, interact with somebody there's an energy exchange if we have a physical interaction there's kind of an exchange of that energy that's very strong and if you go back to the couple that's been together for 20 30 40 50 60 years uh part of their energy is the other person's energy part of their life force is the other person's because they've shared so much intimate and otherwise together that uh, you're taking part of their life force and their energy right out of them when one passes. And it takes an effort, to not only a psychological effort, but physically with that energy and that uh, sharing gone, it takes a big effort to continue going, to be able to try and push through that, uh, having that stolen away from you. It's true. You know, no, no, three is very uh, three is a big number for supernatural and religious things as well, right? Uh, it's big. Um, it shows up in a lot of different uh, religious beliefs. Um, you obviously have the Trinity. The flip side of that is uh, quite often, let's say, a demon grabs you or something evil grabs you. The scar is usually three because they're mocking the Trinity, so they'll yeah. use the number three. Uh, and it, it shows up in different cultures, whether it is, uh, I know there was one where, um, there's one group I can remember that they would say in their prayers, father, mother, great spirit. And they see the father and mother as two parts of the same, which is the great spirit of the creator. But they divide it up into three. Christianity, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's patriarchal. Sometimes the certain ones uh, may, may be focused on a female, matriarch. You just got to look at the society. But they tend to string to put the three together to make it kind of complete. And uh, it's just like uh, you have the thing, it's not a three. Well, actually, it, it is in, in a pure sense. You have the three is that uh, if Adam comes, uh, if Eve comes from Adam's side, then the two are actually the one, but they both come from the creator. So that, so they're one with the creator. So you got a three, two, one. 
there's always those numbers in there. Numerology is very big, and the yeah. numbers play big in the uh, in many belief systems. And three is the Trinity is at the top. Uh, I'd say probably in a majority, more than half of all your belief systems. Yeah, you, you know, you get like the Bloody Mary thing. You have the Candyman. You got to say the names three times, to, and you'll see stuff. I'm sure there's a lot more other ones with the, with the three things. Well, it's also the other thing is that three is an odd number, and for some people, if you ask people their favorite number, most people, because I've done this out of curiosity, most people pick an even number. Where mm-hmm. very few people pick an odd number. So for some reason, odd numbers at least historically in the past, I know, were considered uh, evil numbers. Yeah. Just like at one time, left-handed people were considered evil. They still so, are. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I know some that are decent. No, uh, no, no joke. We know but, yeah, I yeah. think the, the odd number thing, and three being an odd number, it's the first of the odd numbers, really. I don't count one. But uh, once you start going up, three is your first odd number. There it is. There it is. Once once you get past that two, and you start going into odds and evens, and odd numbers have always been something that people have looked down on. I don't know why, but like, and they use it. He's an odd ball. Uh, you know, all these different phrases that have odd in them, and that's an odd number yeah. or uneven number. If you can't divide it uh, in half, then there's something wrong with it. Triple six. I, yeah. weirdness and that whole thing, how we look at numbers and give them attributes. Now with the triple six, is, the, is each six supposed to mean something different? Or do you know what the actual, you know, meaning behind that number is? Why it's that number? Uh, you know, originally, if you go back to the earliest translations of the words used for six, and it goes back to an early numerology also, is that in that time, is it, it is not the devil, like most people think, or Satan. Um, it translates into a form of the name for Nero, who was the Roman emperor that was prosecuting the Christians at the time. And he was considered the Antichrist at the time. And his name translates into 666 mm. in the numerology. It later become became the Antichrist to come. But if you if you take the three sixes together, um, that would be eighteen. Add the one and eight. That's nine. That's an odd number. Divide and that nine is nothing but three threes. Hmm. So you, you're keeping with this. Yeah. Odd, you're throwing the odd in the middle of the six 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 there. Yeah, these reoccurring threes are a problem. You have the threefold death. You familiar with threefold death? Threefold death is uh, which suffering uh, suffered by kings, heroes, and gods. This is from the Merlin medieval era. Um, reconstructed Proto-Indo-European theme encountered in Indic, Greek, Celtic, and Germanic mythology. Some proponents of the trifunctional hypothesis distinguish two types of threefold deaths in Indo-European myth and ritual. In the first type uh, of threefold death, one person dies simultaneously in three ways. He dies by hanging or strangulation or falling from a tree, 
by drowning or poisoning, and by wounding. These three deaths are foretold and are often punishment for an offense against the three functions of Indo-European society. The second form of threefold death is split into three distinct parts. These distinct deaths are sacrifices to three distinct gods of of the three functions. The three functions, Ray, and um, the three functions of the prehistoric Proto-Indo-European society uh, postulates the tripartite ideology reflected in the existence of three classes or castes of priests, warriors, and commoners. You know what I mean? Trouble, big time trouble. Um, so yeah, they teach that they'd be teaching you lessons. So I almost, when I first read about that a little bit, it got me, um, got my mind going, going back to that whole celebrity thing, where how you know. All the, when the celebrities are kind of the ones that get thrown in this, death comes in three times, at least in the media, which that's what the media would do. The media is not going to talk, not going to tell the world about your aunt, you know what I mean? Your friend down the street you grew up with, you know what I mean? They're only going to talk about the celebrities. But uh, it was almost like, it's interesting because these, you know, these kings and heroes and gods were, were celebrities of their time, you know what I mean? So it's almost like the same same treatment in a way where they're getting the same vibe, but uh, they're not exactly, they're not dying natural deaths. As you've have you, as you heard, they're going out pretty hard as Alexander Hawk would say, and Nicholas Cage would say the same thing in kiss of death. But uh, that's tough. That's going back to some serious, if you started bringing back the threefold death people, you know, there'd be no Jeffrey Epstein, if there was threefold death roaming around these streets, you know what I mean? Nobody's down with all that. Getting the poison, the hanging it, and uh, wounded. No good. They don't support. That's, uh, it's tough times. It's tough living. You know what I mean? Well, I'd say if you're talking about the poison, poison uh, hanging, and wounding, that's like overkill. For sure. That is definitely... definitely- You'd almost say it's like to make sure he's definitely dead type situation. Um, It's almost like the the, the poison is to make sure that that they do die type deal. It's almost like a a favor, doing a favor to them to make sure that they die and they're not just hanging there, poked, bleeding out for, you know, a day or whatever. I don't know. I wonder how long you could hang. If you were hung, I wonder how long you could actually hang before you went out. Like, if there was enough air to just, like, unfortunately, slowly uh, leave, slowly depart. I know that when you, when, you, when they break necks, when they used to break necks in the day, back in the day, and, you know, a couple, couple days ago, 1.5 seconds ago, somebody broke their neck, too. But it, you can, you can, you can survive the neck breaking, which is awful, and then you just have to get strangled out, which is tough. It's tough. But I know that's wh- that's why that, uh, well, as far as hanging goes, they eventually developed the drop, yeah. the weighted drop, because uh, that would snap the neck and crush the windpipe, and that was pretty much the fastest way to hang somebody. The uh, older, maybe put them on a horse or just kick a stool out from under them. Uh, that they'd be squirming for a long time because yeah, nothing yeah. that they'd be holding on to breath. Maybe the windpipe 
didn't crush completely. They could breathe. The neck was still. So that was kind of gruesome. I mean, hanging is not humane, but it is a little bit more so when you got that drop and it's it's fast. You right, get that yeah. split second, you hear it, then it's over. You know, if only you could hang and not die and become, become paralyzed and all that, that, that unfortunate stuff. I've often said before, the, the neck crack that you get, the nice back crack from that hanging must feel good. There have been stories. Um, I should have lo- I should have looked it up so I could put a name to it, but I know of at least one where someone was hung. Mm-hmm. They were pronounced dead. They were taken down, and they survived. And they actually went to court since they were pronounced dead, saying that they couldn't be tried or executed again. And they ended up living their life as a free person because they had been executed once. Wow. That's a legendary status right there. I, I can't remember the name, though. That, that's what gets me. But it's kind of like you want to talk about beating death and everything else. I think his name was Lucky McGee. Lucky McGee Jr. Yeah. It's, it's reminds me of that joke where they got the guillotine and they're, uh, they go, you want to go face down or face up? You ever hear that joke? And then nope. they're bringing people down and guy goes, oh, I want to be face down. I don't, I don't want to see my death coming. So they drop the guillotine and it stops before killing them. And they let him go and they say, oh, God must have spared you. And um, next guy gets up there. Oh, I want to face down. Does the same thing. Uh, they get, survives, you know, so they say, I'll spare you. Next guy gets up, thinks he's going to be a big shot. He goes, he, he goes, I'm going to be face up. I'm going to be looking. And, uh, you know, the blade stops and they get, they're taking him off. And, uh, he goes, Oh, you get a, you get a knot in the rope. So the knot was catching. Oh, I think that that might've been like uh, a racist joke, uh, maybe against the poor Polish people or something like that, that I heard. It could have been a play on make calling people stupid or something like that. Unfortunately, in this world full of hate, Ray, that could have been a, a Polish joke. I don't know, but I'd hate to be the, the one in line after him because he just ruined it for everybody. That's the thing. Uh, he would have been killed uh, if they didn't kill him off. They would have killed him after that move for sure. But yeah, it was crazy stuff. I thought that that was fun stuff. Whenever I see the, the medieval times, the way they handled things and put people to death was very like proving a point every single time out the gate. Um, even when they killed in big mass numbers, it was like really proving a point type stuff. Nothing was quiet. You know what I mean? It was very out in the open. This is what will happen. It was used more as a, uh, a tool of motivation and stuff more, 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 even probably more so than fear. Maybe, you know, at that, well, that you know, that, that joke you just told proves that death does not come in three. Cause that joke oh, about three people getting out of it. Well, once, once they fixed it, probably more than three went down. It starts off with three people beating death. I like it. It's like final destination movie. The very first Final Destination movie was was in the gallows. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? I get hooked on those, watch the first, and had to watch the rest. Yeah, we can almost talk about them on the show because they're rather ghostly. You know what I mean? They're very spiritual and supernatural-like. That's death. That's that's chasing, being, being chased by death. True horrifying stuff. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you can't cheat it. When the time comes, the time comes. Um, that's it. You may think you cheated death, but uh, that wasn't really your time. It'll catch you. Is that your take on that? I was just going to ask you, what's your take on the whole Final Destination formula that they do for the films? Um, I like it, and it's really as if death is stalking them mm-hmm. as a separate entity that stalks and not a universal result of life. Yeah. And I like, I like the idea that that death is, uh, takes an interest and you have the ability to possibly avoid it, but you got to look over your shoulder because that's going to get you anyways. Now it's, now it's going to turn around and surprise you. Now it's, now it's going to say, you thought you were smart. I've been doing this for millions of years. Oh no, you won't get away from me. And I like that, that concept of death stalking them and you escape it and it comes back at you. And I also think they were very creative in the ways they did it. You would see someone you in a situation where particularly in the later ones, you thought that they escaped it. And the next second, boom, something happened to them. Yeah. They, they thought they escaped it. You thought they escaped it. And then suddenly wham, Nope, they didn't escape it. Oh, well mm-hmm. I've misjudged that one. Should people fear the reaper? Right. Like the song goes? I think, no. Nah, I'm with you. I agree. I definitely agree. The death, death comes is, in three. Yeah. And death is the natural result of life. Uh, you can't it do is. this. <coughs> but like the taxes. threes? Yeah. I don't know. I, the, the, the threes, I think, is mostly, um, to me, kind of like the urban myth thing. Like, like you were saying, we notice it. It's with celebrities. It's with these famous people. Um, I mean, if you if you were to live, like I worked in a uh, nursing home. Yeah. And this thing was, well, you had the first floor, and then you had four more floors, a wing on each side. They were all residents. And you would hear of someone passing. And you might hear someone mumbling, oh, is it going to come in threes? Is what's going to happen? And the people in this particular nursing home, which included a hospice unit, were never going to leave. And a lot of them were in wheelchairs. A lot of them had uh, had nurses. Um, So if you talk about the death coming in threes, it was more a case of death might come in three, fours, and fives in any particular week. Because of the condition the people they, the 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 condition of people were in, how ba- bad off they were to go there to begin with, yeah. none of them had a time. So the, the three thing didn't work there because on any given week it might be one and it might be five, or it might be two or it might be four. Mm-hmm. Occasionally it was three, but it's just the we reach for that explanation. <laughs> we reach for some reason to try and justify what's going on or because we're basically afraid of death. So we say, Oh, one celebrity went, Oh, this big evil thing's going to come and take another one. Who's it going to be? Uh, so just stop being afraid of it. Mourn your celebrity. Get on with your life. Yeah. I'm with that. We got a, um, I got a, I got a small list here of, uh, of eight pairs of, of eight and eight pairs and trios of, somewhat famous folks that have died on the same day. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, there's a, there's one that I don't know if made the list. So we'll talk about that after the fact. 
Um, and with that, we go into a little deal we like to talk about. The first two up on our list are John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, July 4th, 1826. All right. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, of course, were amongst the greatest of America's founding fathers. They worked together on the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and would become the second and third presidents of the United States. Over the next few decades, they would have a changing relationship in which they frequently switched between close friendship and bitter political rivalries. Before keeping an affable correspondence in their final years, in 1826, as he lay dying, 90-year-old Adams' final words were, Thomas Jefferson survives. In fact, Jefferson had died at age 83, only hours earlier. Significantly, it was uh, July 4th, exactly 50 years since the Declaration of Independence was approved. Another former president, Jefferson uh, protege, James Monroe, would die, uh, die on the same date in 1831. You know what I mean? Very interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting. So what do you think on that, Ray? Well, if you're going to go for the three thing, they were all tied to the same date, and they were all politicians and presidents. So you, you, you've got a triple play there, three presidents on the same day. That could have been a weird thing, though. That could have been that. That's like those first couple of presidents were, I think, Dark Arts uh, founding fathers. And they're still to this day Dark Arts people, but founding father people back then. You know what I mean? You think there might have been something fishy up? Maybe there's uh, something behind the scenes going on. You know, maybe they came in and, you know, they, 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 the, the people needed those two people either out of the mix, maybe, or, you know, maybe they were. Uh, it almost feels like they, they knew they were both sick, but they just randomly died on that day. What's your take on that whole element to it? Well, they had their career, their power, and their wealth. Now it was time to pay the price. Woo! And you think because of their their relationship that they had some type of bond that would go out that way? You think that was just purely coincidence? Uh, no, I think there was a bond. I mean, unfortunately, you have to recognize that their relationship was a lot like some marriages. I mean, you take people that are really close and then they argue and uh, they don't get along. Then they're close. They don't get along. They don't get it. Then they're close back and forth, back and forth until finally they're old and they finally say, oh, that was all stupid. Let's be friends. But by then it's too late. Yeah. By then it's not time to uh, uh, pay the piper and your, your run is over. Your run is over. I like that. Um, they, they may have in that, yeah. in that time the way men treated women they may have had a closer relationship with other with their wives because wives were a, a lower caste so to speak back then also when you bring that up I also contemplate what if they had what if uh, what if their 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 mistresses what if um, their mistresses were passed around and had a some STD STDs were killing you back in the day. And maybe there was a girl that got passed around between two buddies and they both caught the monster and, uh, and took them both out the game. That'd be an interesting look. Interesting. 
you could have the same thing. I wasn't going to go there, but you could have the same vibe with without having a mistress and just have those two guys have a sexual relationship. Maybe they caught some early stages of uh, something, another type of monster that they don't want to deal with, and they killed them too. You know, especially things were very hush, 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 hush when it, when it came to like stuff like that, like same sex stuff back in the day. You know what I mean? But it was there. You know what I mean? Oh, it, it was there. It was just never mentioned. So never. it's very possible. Uh, very possible. Maybe something like something, something from that. You know, maybe they were linked. They were lovers. They were linked that way or something. You know, you never, never can tell. Well, we got Aldous Huxley, President John Kennedy, your boy and my boy, um, and C.S. Lewis, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Despite all the tributes that are bestowed, the newly departed death can occasionally be very humbling. On any other day, the deaths of British authors like the beloved fantasy writer C.S. Lewis, best known for the Narnia series, and the novelist Aldous Huxley of A Brave New World, uh, they would that would have been big news regularly. However... There was another big death that day, my friends and my friendettes out there, and that death, those, uh, that death was a, a gentleman named JFK, John F. Kennedy, and he got his head shot in Dallas, Texas, all right? Um, yeah, that's like when something that, that, the JFK death has to be one of the most biggest deaths period in American history, let alone that day, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, man. I can I can remember that day. Uh, I was in grammar school. I can remember they stopped class and uh, asked us all to say a prayer for him when he was shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that was a big day, and that was something which uh, it had been so long since anything like that had even been attempted that uh, the idea of assassinating a president that it just kind of shook the whole country, if not the whole world. Yeah, the only thing I can equate that to in my lifetime is probably the 9-11 deal, where I remember being in school when 9-11 happened and the kind of freak out of people weren't running around the hallways. Because when it first happened, people didn't, like, it, like people were talking about, like, how they they, they thought the school was going to get, like, bombed. Like, when that, when that first happened, I think everybody kind of panicked that there was going to be a lot more attacks everywhere type deal, or at least the idea of that happening was in the air. Um I think that's the most I've seen, you know, uh, like a big gigantic situation happening that you were in that was so gigantically bigger than you and everything going on. You know what I mean? What, which is what I assume the JFK thing to be was just a, a gloomy, you know, of course, shock. People were probably in shock for a week or so of what what just happened. You know what I mean? And then after the kind of the shock of it starts to wear off and the, you know, the reality of the situation sets in. Um, another reason why Oswald was killed quickly. Um, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah, but that's one of those things, you know, with the JFK and that was such a big deal that, yeah, those two, those two writers were, you know, kind of edged out a little bit. There's a story like that. Um, a little further down, uh, if they don't mention him, we'll mention it. But um, next up, 
Did you want to speak anything on any of those folks before? Uh, no, I just kind of agree. That was that was three in one day, but one overshadowed the other two. Yeah. We got uh, Jean Cocteau and Edith Piaf, October 11th, 1963. Um, of all modern French artists, probably none have the same legendary status as songbird Edith Piaf. And a multifaceted genius poet, novelist, and artist, filmmaker, actor, singer, stage, and fashion designer, and Ray Boone fan, Jean Cocteau. Am I saying that correctly? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. I Well, good thing he's dead. He'd be devastated if he heard Ray Boone didn't know his last name. Fittingly... The two legends converged on a few occasions. In 1940, Cocteau wrote the play La Belle Indifferent. Uh, the beautiful indifferent is what it meant uh, for P.F. and her then-husband, Paul Maurice. The play was credited with the end of their marriage. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which perhaps was Cocteau's plan. Probably was those crazy artists, those selfish artists, right? And in early 1950s, after PF's career had faded, Cocteau saw her singing in a Parisian dive and wrote an article about her talents that revived her career. According to legend, Cocteau found out about PF's death on the morning of October 11th. Said, Ah, la PF. Est morte, je pu merci. Ah, which stands for Ah, Paif's dead, I can die too, and promptly died of a heart attack. This might not have been his smartest move, as Piaf upstaged him, closing down the streets of Paris as 40,000 fans mobbed her funeral. Cocteau's own passing could not compete with that. He was 74, while she was tragically 47. For, yeah, that is tragic. Um, interesting. That's very. What do you think? What do you, what's your take on that? When he found out she died, he said, "I'm ready to. I'm ready to uh, check out." And then he has a heart attack. That's like the greatest magic trick of all time. You know. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you got you can look at it two ways. Unrequited love. He loved her, her his whole life, and uh, it was never she was never able to return it in the way he ex- he he wanted or expected. Yeah, and he had just lost that, so there was no chance at love, and that last thing he was holding out for just went away, and uh, the heartbreak it just devastated his system, and he had that heart attack. I mean, you think that's possible to put them at a split instance like that to be hit with so much grief and have so much sadness that you could actually stop your life, like die. You think you could like intentionally die. You think that's possible? I think it's yes, I do. I really? think it's possible. I that's think that, weird. I not think that you that, think uh, that, I, that whole concept, not that you think it, just the whole, just the fact, that's like a superpower. I, I, I think that's like a weird superpower, man. Like, uh, you just like focus, like meditate, and then you're dead. Like, that, that takes a, that takes away the, the, the messiness of suicide, you know what I mean? Well, I think it's more like just letting life go. 
then you think uh, it would happen that quick, though. I think it can happen quickly. Really? On a personal level, my father, uh-huh. um, on and off through his life, had been been sick, and he was always a fighter. Um, he survived three bouts of cancer, twenty years of leukemia, uh-huh. um, a whole bunch of different things, and he was sick at one point. And I went to visit him in the hospital, and uh, he was in his early eighties by then. And he wasn't doing too good. And uh, he said to me that uh, I'm not going to win this one, am I? And I had a conversation with him saying, you don't have to. We love you. And we, we had a very personal conversation about that and basically told him that, you know, he can let go. You can fi- find your peace now. I went home, got a call a little while later in the night, and they had checked on my father and he had passed. He kept himself there and he kept fighting and fighting and fighting until it was the point where with some reassurance, he was ready to let go and he just gave up his life. He let it go. And I think that if a trauma was big enough for somebody that, uh, they may decide to to quit, to give into that trauma and, uh, basically give their life up, whether it is through a heart attack or something else. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a lot. That's some shit. I guess it's all how you would take it in, but that's like some serious being able to have the just a wish, even you know, and you have the the shock of it, of course, Um, the heartbreak of it. I'm sure you probably wish for better days in the future with her. Um, What do you think the reality of him taking maybe uh, drinking a potion that killed him and you know committing suicide, but just being chopped off is the broken heart situation. I'd I'd say it would be possible that maybe he did something he knew might aggravate an already, an already weak heart. I doubt if it would have been a surprise for him. He may have had a condition, even just the shock of her death, but uh, it could have been uh, whether it's drinking or whether it's something else that he took that he uh, knew was not good for him. He didn't care anymore. So he, he just, he'd rather embrace death than live without her. And they had that connection, too, and she was young, you know, so it's almost like she, her being so young, it seems like there was an accidental death or maybe, you know, maybe uh, intentional, which is even darker. Um, so, like, yeah, like, he, he wouldn't see that coming, and he probably would, if he loved her, he probably would He would have had that connection. To go into the whole thing of the, you know, when you have a bond with somebody and a connection with somebody, you know, and they passed, you can go almost feel it, you know what I mean? In the same sense of like, you know, we've talked about on the show before where like uh, you have an old friend from high school or whatever, and you just you happen to just think of them one day and they're on your mind and, you know, you hit them up, reach, reach out to them and they go, you know what? I was just thinking of you the other day, too. And I think a lot of people I always imagine people faking that, just saying that. But, you know. From what I hear, you know, it, it's it's a realistic thing, and people think that it's like a, a link. The people that are linked together, it's almost like you're opening up that that mind wave and, and tele, like telekinetically saying hi to them in a way. You know what I mean? Well, we're all connected through energy. The yeah. planet has energy. Solar system. We as individuals have, and it even goes down to a quantum level. They did quite a few years ago. Mm. They did a a quantum experiment. Um, you have these super colliders which on a very minute scale, subatomic particles, they smash them together. And then what they do is they look at the pattern that they leave. Yeah. 
And what they decided to do was um, they had one in France and one in the U.S. And they decided to run the same experiment in different parts of the world at the same time. Yeah. And they did it. And when they looked at the patents of the subatomic particles that uh, that they left when they after they were smashed, those in the U.S. and those in France were identical. If you do them at separate times around the world, they're never identical. It's never the same patent. When they did it simultaneously, the patent is identical. There's a link. There's a synchronicity. There's something there that links us all, even on a quantum level. And that's po- that's possible also with people, that energy and that that quantum connection that uh, goes beyond our uh, physical understanding. Yeah. I'm with it. I'm with it. You know, I'm with it, right? You know, I'm with it. <laughs> we got some. We got some uh, film people coming up next. Orson Welles, Yule Brenner, October eleventh, nineteen eighty-five. All right. For people that don't know these people, uh, you know, Orson Welles, of course, Citizen Kane, there's a, a bunch of other things. Yul Brenner, uh, lead actor, The Magnificent Seven, and also uh, Westworld. Um, the great actor and filmmaker, Orson, well- Orson Welles, I should also note he was an actor in his own right. How could I, how could I take that away from the man? Uh, the great actor and filmmaker Orson Welles was known for his mammoth ego, as well as size later in life, something he had no trouble admitting. Uh, he said, I wouldn't act, uh, act a role if it was not felt as dominating the whole story, he once said. Chances are he wouldn't have been happy that his death didn't take up the entire obituary section. Sharing them with another great Hollywood scene staler, Yul Brenner. To make things worse, Brenner continued to appear regularly on television, reminding everyone of his death. As he was dying of smoking-related cancer, he had recorded a public service announcement with the simple message, don't smoke, whatever you do, just don't smoke. Which I remember that commercial, you remember that? No, I don't remember that one. And uh, Wells was a man who famously enjoyed puffing his cigars, uh, this would have an, anno- annoyed him even more. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, you know, these two guys. And, yeah, Orson Welles, it's kind of crazy to think that he – I know that Yul Brenner was was a big-time deal, too, but I thought Orson Welles would have outshined him on death day. But I could be wrong. I am. I was wrong. I am, I am wrong. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm kind of uh, – I'm kind of taken back that I, I, I thought that I would have been flipped. If you told me that was flipped, I would have it would have made more sense. But do you remember that? You remember them passing at all that time? I don't remember that time. I'm not surprised because Yul Brenner came. They overlapped, but it's actually Yul Brenner hit his peak later than Orson Welles. So yeah. whoever you know peaks last, most remembered. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised at that. Uh, also, you know, he played the Pharaoh in the Ten Commandments. These, uh, yeah, he had a good run there, but uh, I'm not surprised who stood out more at that time. Yeah. Um, as are the two of them linked? I don't think so. I think that is more coincidence. Yeah, it's a weird deal. Um, if you, if I, if you were. 
I know you raise a fan of both gentlemen. If if you if you were to say one of those gentlemen would outshine the other on death day, which one do you think? Do you think it would have been Yul Brenner? You think it would have been Orson Welles? Um. Okay. Two answers. My choice would have been Orson Welles. Yeah. Uh, based on his body of work, um, I would say celebrity status and where he was in the public at the time, Yul Brenner. Definitely. True. I'll give you that. I mean, uh, Wells, iconic. Iconic. Probably maybe one of the top five most iconic, influential filmmakers of all time. Uh, but then it goes, and he did act, though, you know what I mean? But the, the time and place, like you said, definitely plays a part, you know what I mean, for sure. I think, like, you felt like Citizen Kane and um, was a Touch of Evil. Um with that touch of evil opens up with that really cool shot, that like crane shot, right? Are you familiar with that? No, I don't remember at this moment. I probably. think yeah, he did. Yeah, I see. Yeah, there's a there's a couple films of his that I really liked a lot, and I think that was it. He was, you know, Orson Welles was. He, I liked. He moved the cam. His movement of the camera, I really enjoyed. You know what I mean? And Yul Brenner. I believe it was just an actor, which there ain't nothing wrong with that, right? Ray Ray likes Orson Welles because they're both uh, actor-directors now. <laughs> That's why he, he, he chose Orson. I know Orson rubbed people the wrong way later in life. I'm looking like a, like a, like a teenage, a little heavier teenage Orson Welles right now, actually. Um, but I always got respect. He's one of those older directors that... Uh, you watch the films and like they're 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 dated but still fun to watch, so to speak. So yeah, but that's crazy that he got over overshined on that. I, I didn't see that coming. Um, because they never mentioned it, I will bring up the fact that I believe um, uh, Elvis Presley was it Elvis Presley and Groucho Marx. I think died on the same day. That was just for memory, and I want to say that I want to say Groucho didn't get the respect that he deserved, and the same thing that you're saying, where Elvis was like popping heavy at that time, and Groucho was still popping too because he went deep into it. But he was more at the the end of his career, end of his life. Where Elvis, he kind of fell apart towards the end of his life, but he wasn't that old when he died. You know what I mean? Well, I can remember. Uh... Seeing Groucho Marx on, uh, well, I, I'd seen the movies, the Marx yeah. Brothers movies, and I remember uh, watching his TV show. Mm. So I enjoy, I enjoyed him. Um, Elvis, um, I saw in concert twice. And I'm very jealous of that. Always be jealous of that. Once when he was young and thin. Oh wow! And, uh, so yeah. yeah. And a little later on, when he had put on some weight, most times they were uh, kick-ass concerts, though. I believe it. Yeah, I think that's the same deal. Because at the at the highlight, when when Groucho was the shit, he was the shit. There was nobody better than Groucho. Nobody bigger, better. He was the deal. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, that time was maybe like twenty, thirty years gone when he died, maybe more. And um, it was heyday, heyday, and. Elvis was, you know, he wasn't at the peak of his career, but he was closer to the peak of his career. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, the body of work that they both like, I, I wish I knew more about Groucho. I got, I bought a book that I got to read and I got to pick up some of the movies. Um, 
I like him as an entertainer and interview. Like I, I, I like to watch his old interviews on like the Dick Cavett show and stuff like that. And he's just so entertaining and he's very quick. I like how quick he is and his mind's always working. You can see in his eyes, you know what I mean? I like that. He comes from a time where you almost had to, you had to work for your dinner, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like hard times, the hard times of comedy. I mean, there's still hard times with comedy now, but it was a different, a little harder perhaps, you know. Who knows? Maybe easier. Nobody well, knows. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that that's two celebrities. There's no third one in there. So this whole death comes in three isn't holding up too well here. No, but with that one... That, that that was a big enough. That was the same. It's the same day, at least I believe we're going on. So those oh, two names works. for that day. Yeah, those two names for that day is a big deal. Yeah, all these people died on the same day, and I was kind of surprised. Even, but I understand we are coming from you dead on correct with the fact that uh, Brenner was was booming, was popping at the time, and Elva, and uh, what's his name. Orson was kind of on his way down, and I don't think Orson was liked in the end. Like, I think he, he had gigantic ego and was, like, a drunk and fucking a womanizer and, like, all those things that people hate, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't think he was, like, a fan favorite when he went, when he left when he left the game. Almost kind of like a Brando thing where Brando, there was a time in Brando's career where there was nobody bigger or better than him. But, like, when he went out, he was kind of a mockery of himself by the time he died. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Yep. Um, next up, we got Milton Burrow, who supposedly has big piping. I've always heard that about him. Uh, Dudley Moore, of course, you know, from Arthur and Billy Wilder, filmmaker, another legendary filmmaker, March 27th, 2002. Um, when legendary comedian Milton Burrow bit the big one in 2002 it was a double bill with another theater and television comedy star British musician and actor Dudley Moore um, which Dudley uh, you know rest in peace I remember he had like a, a set really like a, a sad disease that like he was in a wheelchair in the end and I think he just like deteriorated it was like one of those sicknesses that just like destroys your body type shit um to add even more misery for comedy fans, film director and writer Billy Wilder, uh, not exclusively a humorist, but also known for the great comedies like Some Like It Hot in The Apartment, also died that day. Um, I hear you, Milton, said comedy writer Larry Gelbart at Burl's funeral. Sorry, I know you work alone. That's kind of funny. I like hearing those little, those funny stories of the older comedians where they say like, like fun jokes like that at the wrong time, but they're not like fun, dark. They're not like dark and edgy. They're just like weird, like witty. Like when they both died, the fact that he was like, oh, he works alone type deal. You know, that it's like very clean, but like witty and, and effective. I like that. You know what I mean? You remember any of those folks uh, fondly, Ray? Uh, Milton Berle, I saw uh, some TV shows when I was young that he would guest on. And uh, and with saying some of these things, I'm showing my age here. I, I saw him when it was live TV. Uh, and Dudley Moore, there was a couple of couple of movies I've seen of his, which uh, I, I enjoyed. Yeah. 
Yeah, like uh, I, like Father Like Son was big with him. The Arthur films. He was very lovable British guy. Um, they got like ravaged by something. Billy Wilder, you know, classic, you know, iconic, legendary filmmaker. And Milton Berle, you know, classic, classic filmmaker with big, big piping from what I'm told. Um, next up, Diana Craft and Kent Craft uh, in February 9th, 2008. Now, they, let me see. Unlike most people on this list, these two were not celebrities. However, few lives here have been so intertwined as in the curious case of Ken Kraft and Diana Schroeder, both born on September 2nd, 1941, in different parts of South Dakota. They married in Sewix Falls, 1964, in 1965. Diana uh, had been suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease for some time when she passed away in 2008. Kent, who had been briefly ill, died the same day right next to her, ensuring that when they died, they were the same age to the day. That sounds like suicide to me. It's interesting because um, I missed it on the others, but I did it on this one. Um, I added the dates up. Yeah. And you use the reduction thing that you do in numerology. And those two, that day of death comes to number three. Really? Interesting stuff. There's a third person mentioned, which is weird, where it's Diana. I guess Diane, it must be his wife because uh, I think it said that anyways. But it's weird that they had her a different name. They had her a different name in the uh, the article that was written about it. But they, but her name was Kraft, which is interesting. So, yeah, that's interesting. Whenever I see the same day, it's always a... You know, it brings in the question, you know, can you, can people really kind of, we can, they can lose their will and, and let death take them. But in something, this, this is like quick, you know what I mean? It's like, you feel like if you were going to get, you were very depressed, sad or whatever, you know, and you wanted to, and you just wanted to, you wanted to be so miserable, so sad, so, I don't even know what the word would be, but so down on yourself that you hoped that being down on yourself, you would die from it. Like to be, and then to be able to do that, I don't know. That seems like a superpower to me. You know what I mean? And the same thing with this dude, like being sick. You also can you you have like the Brittany Murphy situation that could be kind of talked about with her husband who died a couple months later. But that was, I think, suicide. I think she was. I think she was sick and doing drugs and overdosed because. Um. You know, she was having trouble breathing, and I think she was doing shit that was kind of fucking with her breathing to begin with. So I think she passed, and then I think he killed himself knowing that he was probably the reason why she passed up. Um, well, with this duo, I'd be curious to see what the death certificate says as cause of death. For these two? Yeah. For those two. The other thing is that if you have someone who has been sick and they pass, sometimes... Um, it's kind of like, oh, yes, they pass from that, and they don't look for another thing, whether you're talking about a poison or another thing that may have, may have, may have brought it on. Uh, you tend not to look at that when someone is under long-term care. Yeah. Uh, there's no obvious scars, for instance. Then, yeah, you automatic, people automatically say, oh, yeah, they died of, and they don't look for some other cause. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. It's craziness. That's it's a very good point, you know. Um, July 30th, 2007, two legendary old-time filmmakers, you know, uh, went down for the count. Michelangelo Antonioni and Igmar Bergman. You know, these two directors, giants of the European art house cinema, were often mentioned in the same breath during their lifetimes. They both directed their first features in 1950, became commercially successful with difficult films, and were uh, noticed in the U.S., through the university film societies in which many students were worshipped uh, Antononi and despised Bergman, or vice versa. When they died on the same day, Bergman at 89 and Antonini at 94, the New York Times film reviewer A.O. Scott wrote that in their prime, Mr. Antonini and Mr. Bergman were seen as the twin embodiments of the idea that a filmmaker could be without qualification or compromise a great artist which is quite a quite a compliment you know that uh, to receive for both of those gentlemen's icons in the games it's one of those things it's almost like they had a nice rivalry going back and forth and that's like a hollywood ending to to it you know what i mean that's a real film ending to it which i can appreciate what's your take on something like that um, I think they're dying in the same day is more coincidence considering their age. Um, they just, I mean, if one of them had been, had never made it big, it could have been in the same field, but never made it big and died the same day. No one would have noticed. It's just a case of celebrity status is why people notice that they both went on the same day. I don't, I don't see much of anything else that, there and uh, about them that indicates otherwise. I don't think there was uh, another reason. And if they were they were competitors like that, even in friendly competition, I, I'm sure they both were in the back of their heads saying, I'm not going to die before the other one. So then when the other one died, it was like, and then, you know, let go, you know what I mean? One of those situations. What was that date again? The date that they passed, July 30th, 2007. Nope. Comes up with an even number. And uh, it's interesting that they directed their first feature films in 1950. I thought that was an interesting take. And they both were known for making difficult films that were controversial for sure. It's an interesting thing, you know. It's a great they should there should actually be a movie about there should be a movie about their competitive friendship and then them both dying at the end on the same day. Sign us up, right? Sign I'll direct it. Ray will play one of the directors. <laughs> we'll win an Academy Award, though. Um, mostly Ghostly Presents. Next up, March 10th, day after my birthday, 2009. I remember that year. That was an interesting year. Uh, Tom Hansen and Richard Nicholas. Um, Canadians are probably familiar with at least one photo from the uh, impressive portfolio of award-winning Canadian press photojournalist Tom Hansen. In 1990, during the tense standoff with police in Quebec, Hansen snapped a Mohawk warrior, uh, arm-raised, rifle in hand, standing atop an overturned police van. This was the land uh, rights campaigner Richard Nichols. Nicholas. 
and the photo became famous symbol of the campaign. Less than 20 years later, both men died on the same day. And both at the young age of 41, Hanson collapsed playing hockey and died a few hours later. Meanwhile, Nicholas, whom he never actually met, was killed in a car crash. To think that the very man who took the picture died on the same day at the same age. How miraculous is that? Uh, something like that would happen, you know, said Nicholas's cousin, Sonia Gagnier. At the pinnacle moment in 1990, they crossed paths and then they crossed paths again. It's at another pinnacle point, which is death. What do you think of that one? That's kind of weird. About coincidence? I mean, they got that tie. They, they, you know, he took that picture of that dude that became the staple point of like a, a, an important thing with a lot of energy behind it. Um, do you think that something like that's enough to drag them into it? I mean, they they both became very important in each other's lives that day. Where you know, the one taking the picture, the one being the uh, the, uh, the you know the person the photo is taken of. You know, the, both of those lives were changed forever when that picture became what it became. So you think something? I think it, yeah, I think it's a weird, a weird coincidence. Um, they weren't linked that way. Um, if they both died at forty-one, okay, four and one—that's uh, a five. And if you take the day of the death and you do, you run the numbers on it, that's a five. So one dies on a five, the other dies on a five, and the date is a five. So you have three fives there, which is, you know, 15, three fives, whatever. But I think that their influence on their life could have been a contributing factor. I think it is probably a greater thing is that influence was there so that people made the link when when they died at that same day at the same age. People said, whoa, and they knew each other. Look at how they influenced I, I think it was probably a little stronger there than uh, to be able to put that link together, people seeing it because of the interplay they had. Yeah. You know, I remember when I want to say that Philip Seymour Hoffman died. And then I want to say a couple months later, I think Robert Williams died. Um, now the, the, the other ties that, to the Robert Williams thing is weird. Cause it was like a hanging situation. There was three weird deaths that were kind of the same deal. You have Robin Williams, you have Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. You have Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. And they all kind of, that was roughly around the same time where you, you know, within the same year uh, of each other, I'd say. And to a degree of that would be, I, I think that would be kind of fishy, you know, something questionable about that. Um, you know, a lot of unanswered questions for that. It feels like there's more than just sadness involved in that whole situation more so the put the two band dudes because it was such they were closer together it felt like that were they were a couple months apart whereas in i think robin williams was uh maybe a year or so before and then they that they happened and then i want to say a couple months apart maybe six months apart or so but i could be wrong but yeah that was another one that was weirdly you know close to each other just weird crazy madness so we're, we're we're touching down on the end of the episode and what do we want to chalk off the death comes in three uh what do we want to, what do we want to close that off with our mostly ghostly opinion of 
what do we want to go with, Ray? What are you thinking? I'm thinking that it more it is more uh, well a couple of things. One is it's a legend that we seek out. Yeah. Somewhere it showed up. It has some links to some religious beliefs, whether Trinity, reverse Trinity, and it is a cult of celebrity in that uh, it is only the celebrities of famous people. But I think it is also our minds want to be able to make sense of things. So they tend to organize and group things. And one of the biggest things we have a fear of is death. Yeah. So when we're confronted with death, what we're trying to do is put it together and see it in a certain way so that we can categorize it and we can put it out there. And in the back of our mind, we're saying we're hoping that we're not one of the three. But in the front, what our mind is also doing is saying, okay, I've got to, how do I deal with this? How do I deal? With, oh, there's him. Oh, there's him. Oh, there's him. Oh, see, look, it comes in threes. And we want to be able to put things in categories. We want to be able to put things in labels on them. That's how we deal with the world. And I think a lot of people are doing that when it comes to death. And that death comes to three is a legend. And a lot, most of, uh, most of the time it is just simply coincidence, considering the number of people in the world and how many are dying at any given time. Yeah. No, I'm with it. I'm vibing with that, you know what I mean? I agree with that pretty heavily. I think that, you know, there, there's, pro- there's probably some link. Did we get into the whole, we did talk about uh, the, the thing with the, the, the um, what do we got here? Um, portals. Can we talk about portals where people think the portal sucks? If you're, if you're close to somebody, the portal when somebody dies, the portal that they go into when they die is opened up and that you're so connected that you get dragged into it. I know that somebody was talking about that theory as well. What's your, what's your take on that? Um, is there an opening or is there a portal when someone crosses? Yes. Do I think that that, like we talked about, that energetic bond might draw you to that portal? Yes, but you have to be willing to go through if it's not already your time. Mm-hmm. It's, if, if you're not um, already on your deathbed, so to speak, then you have to choose to take that step through, to follow them through. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that window of opportunity, so to speak, that portal, it is there. And depending upon what your connection is to the person, you may perceive it and you may actually choose to go through it. And that goes back to choosing, like you said, uh, choosing when you're going to give your life up. Yeah. We've talked uh, before about um, um, Fook. I just drew, drew a blank. Shit. Shit. That was good, too. We were talked before about... Um, what was the last thing you just said, Ray? Well, we were talking about the portals. Portals. And uh, I've made the... When people have an energetic or energy connection or a strong emotional connection, the portal may be there. It may not close immediately. And that second person may choose to go through on an energetic uh, or spiritual level to give give this life a pass and just move on to the next one. I don't think that they pop up and just suck people through. That much uh, I'm not going to go with. Um, I think that uh, it would have to be a choice uh, for a period of time when that opens up. And since we are all connected, we talked about the quantum physics and energy levels and stuff that could happen over a great distance because distance doesn't matter on that level. If two people are connected to be able to pass through, kind of join hands and walk through to the other side. 
Yeah. In the past, we talked about how you think that, um, like, if somebody was like a like a satanic person and they they wanted to sacrifice their kid, their unborn kid, or their kid that was young, their the kid's soul to the devil, if they could do that. Now, in the same the same thought of the process of that, do you think that if somebody was to die and maybe or be on right on the brink, and they were they actually were in a situation where they were to let's just say uh, try to negotiate with a dark force, a dark energy, maybe the main dark energy, you know what I mean? And they said, well, if you let me live, uh, you can have my kid or something like that. You know what I mean? Or, or, the, being that, that scrambling to get out of the situation, to actually say something as cold as you can have a loved one type situation. Um, do you think that with that, they would then take that person? Do you think that they could take that kid as well? Because I know in the pre- previous discussion, you said that you thought that it was possible that a parent could give up the kid without the kid even, without the kid giving up themselves, the parent could give the kid up, right? Well, that the parent could put the child under the influence of the evil. Um, I think you're talking more like death by proxy. Yeah, I was thinking more like I was thinking more of like you know somebody dies and they they don't want to be dead, of course, and they see the big red guy, we'll say, and they say, "Hey, I don't want to die." Um, I got, but they were so dark and terrible to be like, I have like I know somebody else. If you take their life, could I have mine? And but like. In the same, would they have claim over it? That's the questionable thing. So I remember we talked in the past and we came to an agreement of some sort that a parent would have some type of claim over a kid in the, in, in regards to offering them up, so to speak, where they could use them as poker chips in, 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 in a, even in a spiritual realm, you know what I mean? Uh, well, might, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they might have a, whoops, there we go. They might have a claim uh, and they might have an attachment there and they could influence the child. I don't think they would have the power at that moment to, uh, well, two things. The individual wouldn't, wouldn't have the power to continue a life when it's ending. And I think the dark, the dark force may artificially keep that person alive, but I don't know that it really has a, that much of a power over life and death. I think it's more a case of uh, the dark force at that point might be able to prolong the person's life a little bit, maybe it'll give, give them some unnatural energy and gain influence over the young. Well, it wouldn't, yeah, I, it would be trickery. My take is it would be trickery where it would be, okay, you said you had claim, you have claim over this person, so you saying I could have them lets me know that I can have them, but I'm still taking you. You're not getting out of this. Tricks them thinking they're going to get out of it, but takes all both of them. You think that they... What with the claim factor, do you think that they would be that could be a way that multiple people would pass around the same time? Um, I don't know if the darkness has that much power to grab that second person, okay, unless there's already a weakness there, whether they're associated with darkness or there's an illness or something that leaves themselves open or vulnerable. Um, might they gain an influence over if the person is weak? Yes, be able to pull them over to the other side, they'd have to manifest physically and do something physically to them so that they die yeah and attempt to attempt to uh, grab them at that point but i believe the spirit of the souls 
that exists separately and independently and goes on its own path. You may be able to take the child's life, but you don't necessarily uh, get stewardship over the soul. That's a totally different thing and follows its own path, whether it's moving on to the light, uh, the darkness, or reincarnation. Oh, yeah. I, we, and mostly ghostly, we do not support giving your kids over to any spiritual entity in any way. That's all I got to say. So, Ray, was there anything else you wanted to touch base on with, you know, death comes in threes? Uh, no, I think, uh, again, I think it's more manufactured than anything else. Yeah. And we, we use it to, uh, categorize and deal with death and uh we embrace the legend more than the reality uh but i don't see it beyond that i'm with you i'm with you on that all right well with that being said we're gonna wrap up this episode and we'll catch all you folks and folkettes out there on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.